Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, April 6th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Government bonds continue to take a beating. The U.S. will work with the U.K. and Australia to develop hypersonic weapons. Plus, we'll hear about what's happening in Shanghai, where more than 25 million people are still under a super strict COVID lockdown. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The yield on the 10-year Treasury note climbed to its highest level in nearly three years. Rising yields go along with falling prices, which means it was a very bad day for the 10-year Treasury. European government bonds also had a tough time. Now, if you had to put a finger on each reason for the sell-off, you'd need your whole hand. But there were a couple of factors in particular that really weighed on traders. Here's our U.S. capital markets correspondent, Kate Duguid. So the biggest reason yesterday was because of the Fed. We had Lael Brainerd, a Fed official, speak. Um, She said that the Fed was going to start a, in her words, rapid reduction of its $9 trillion balance sheet as soon as May. And this is in order to take sort of stronger action to tighten financial conditions and to bring down inflation. Okay, so going back to the sell-off, why did traders not like her comments? So it's not as much about not liking it, but what happens is when the Fed reduces its balance sheet, when the Fed sort of steps back from the market after having been the biggest buyer of treasuries for a very long time now, the market is flooded with supply. So we have a ton of treasuries on the market and prices will go down and yields will go up. So yields move in anticipation of that quantitative tightening that's expected to start in May. Now, as I understand it, Kate, the new and tougher sanctions that the EU and the U.S. announced yesterday on Russia also dragged down prices on government debt. What's the connection there? Why would these latest sanctions make investors want to sell government bonds? Sure. Um, So part of the sanctions package from Brussels um, included a ban on coal imports. There were some, I think, restrictions on oil imports that were being considered, but um, they were not included this time around. But coal futures yesterday were up 15 percent because of this. So as commodity prices go up, those typically drive inflation higher and yields move with inflation. So despite the fact that there's all this effort to combat inflation, that central banks around the world are trying to rein it in, we still do have these forces like the war in Ukraine that are continuing to drive inflation up. Kate Duguid is the FT's U.S. capital markets correspondent. U.S. military officials were stunned when they learned that China had successfully tested a nuclear-enabled hypersonic missile last summer. These are missiles that move at more than five times the speed of sound. Now, the U.S. plans to expand a security pact with the U.K. and Australia to include cooperation on hypersonic missiles. Here's the FT's U.S.-China correspondent, Dmitry Sevastopilo. The U.S. has been working on hypersonic weapons, but China is just much further down the road. Just to give you an example, China has conducted somewhere in the region of 300 hypersonic weapons tests in recent years. The U.S., by comparison, has done less than a dozen Um, The reason the hypersonic weapons are so important is, first of all, they fly at very high speed. And almost more importantly, they can maneuver in flight. So they're harder to track, they're harder to lock onto, and they're harder to shoot down. So a combination of all those things means the U.S. is very, very focused on 
trying to catch up in hypersonics and make sure China doesn't get even further ahead. So, Dimitri, part of this is to create resistance to China's military expanding, but there are other advantages to this alliance, right? They also help the U.S. overcome what the Pentagon calls the tyranny of distance, which means that, for example, if the U.S. ended up fighting a war with China over Taiwan, you know, most of China's military assets, its ships, its planes, its missiles, they're all in the backyard. They're very close to Taiwan, whereas the U.S. is far away. So having more cooperation with countries like Australia in the Indo-Pacific gives the U.S. the ability to further project power more closely uh, to China. And so it gives it more of a geographic advantage or, or less of a geographic disadvantage if it can do more with allies in the region. So Australia, you know, Japan, South Korea and others who are closer to China. Dmitry Sevastopoulos is the FT's U.S.-China correspondent. Beijing's zero-COVID policy means the strict lockdown in Shanghai, China's most important financial center, has no end in sight. More than 25 million people can't leave their homes, and bankers can't leave their offices. The only service industry still operating is food delivery, but people still can't get the food they need. Here's the FT's China economics reporter, Sun Yu. There is no shortage of food around Shanghai. The difficult part is to find enough delivery people to really send the food to their doorstep. As of now, a lot of delivery people, delivery men, uh, have also been quarantined. The authority is counting on Communist Party members to volunteer to deliver food to their neighbors. In some cases, this works, but mostly, I mean, people just are not willing to do this for free, you know. So a lot of uh, Shanghai residents, especially those who live on the outskirts, are indeed having trouble uh, getting a constant supply of food. And this is got to really weigh on people, right? I mean, we're, we're reading stories of people not being able to get the medicine they need, not to mention the food, of course. Um, are people getting angry or, or expressing any frustration? Yes, that, that, that is the challenge. Because uh, Shanghai people are, are relatively more westernized than people elsewhere in China. They're more, they're more outspoken, they're more vocal. So there are tons of social media posts complaining about the inhumane treatments about the very small number of severe cases to the extent that they thought that the lockdown is not at all necessary. And uh, there are, I, I think, I think three or four very popular video recordings circulating on the internet. Yeah, I want to play a clip from one of those social media posts it's a recording of a conversation between a resident and a local official. And you can just hear from her tone how frustrated she is. And the official that she's talking to, she says she's, she's spending a lot of her own money to buy people food. And she breaks down because this is incredibly emotional for her too. So real frustration here among residents and officials they're depending on to help them. Sun Yu, what's happening in financial markets? How are bankers and traders doing their jobs? A lot of bankers these days are living in the office. 
That's the solution. I mean, banker, investment bankers, IT people, traders, and I think more than almost a hundred staff with the Shanghai Stock Exchange are uh, now live in the office. They will sleep on the camp beds, and the and the employer would provide them with food. In that sense, the financial sector still works. But this finance is a people-to-people business. It's getting a lot harder for bankers or loan officers to meet with clients or prospects. So, in general, they are expecting their business to decline quite a bit because of the lockdown. Is there any sign from officials that they might ease the lockdown rules? Unfortunately, not at all. Sun Chunlan, the the vice premier of China. Stressed the need to stick to the zero COVID policy. Her idea, her logic, is that since Shanghai's、uh, health system has already been overwhelmed by the COVID, other parts of the country where health system is in a far less developed condition than Shanghai would come under even greater pressure. Which is why China, including Shanghai, must stick to the zero COVID policy. That's the FT's China economics reporter Sun Yu. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT news briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation. Or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com/bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details.